another episode of the Producers Podcast is coming right at you. Welcome in to another episode as we are getting you set for the Denver Nuggets playoff run. But before we get there, we're going to take a look back and recap what was a very interesting Denver Nuggets 2022-2023 regular season. And let's just say everything wasn't glitter and gold. But before we get there, I am KJ, the host of The Drive. You are listening to my man Colin, who does it all on the (laughs) station. There's nothing he doesn't do. Colin touches everything. Bro, what's up? Hey, man, it's it's a great week. Doing the morning show this week and next week. You know, just putting in my time, grinding grinding away, you know? There you go. No, I I hear you on that, man. It's uh it's interesting because um filling in is always is, is different because there's a different rhythm and pacing that that show naturally has and then when you step into it it's kind of like you're trying to just maintain it. Yeah. Like if you can just maintain it, like at the bare minimum, you're good. Like the hosts are going to be great. They're going to do oh, their yeah. jobs, but like behind the glass if you can just maintain the level of excellence that is already set, then it just it just gives you a breath of fresh air. It does. And then it's also about still having fun, too, on it. You know, popping in some music and mixing things up. It's just you, you get used to certain things. And, you know, when someone new pops in, you just try and keep that same level that it was before. And so, you know, hopefully nobody notices any drop-off, of course. Hopefully it's just staying at the same level, elevated every once in a while here and there with a mm. few things. Mm-hmm. You know, got to have your own little special touches on everything. There you go. There you go. I, I'm not I saying I do a better job than anybody, but, you know, I like to have my own little things here and there. Hey, man, as long as you know what you like and what you do best, that's all that matters, exactly. man. <laughs> that's all that matters. You brought up something there, uh, jokingly there. You talked about how sometimes you just want to hold it in the road and then sometimes you want to elevate things. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Denver Nuggets did this season. Mm. They did a lot of just holding it in the road, and then at times they really soared for the sky. And I think there's a lot that you can take from what the Denver Nuggets did this season. Colin, I'll ask you, overall, what is your thoughts on how this season went and what is your thoughts on what the Denver Nuggets should have done better? First thought is surprised. I'm surprised at – I didn't agree with the way Jamal Murray was brought back earlier in the year. I thought he was playing way too much too early. I'm surprised at the fact that these guys came together and you had pre-All-Star break – how KCP and Aaron Gordon were playing. I was surprised at the level that they really brought it to at that point. I was surprised that they ended up with the very number one seed in the West outright because I thought there were going to be a lot more growing pains and for them to become a number one seed with that thought, especially with Jamal Murray, I wasn't too keen on him playing as much as he did earlier in the year. I really wanted to save that for the post-All-Star time. I didn't want him playing as much early because I felt like it was more important for him to get more in stride later on. And what I found was Jamal Murray this year was more consistent than he was in past years where I thought that he would always have more consistency before, but he had a lot more just 20 points, seven, seven assist games, 
things around those stat lines. Whereas he didn't, he had a few blow up games, but it wasn't so up and down. He was very consistent. So I was surprised that he came back. And when he did come back that how much he played, but the consistency he played at, of course, you're going to have the off games where, you know, the Toronto, where he was just no good and played basically the whole game uh, after being injured late in the season. But early in the year, his consistency being back really was a, a good surprise. And then finding a guy like KCP who, you know, in his last game, what did he make, like six straight threes to end the season in that game? <laughs> he was on fire. Yeah, yeah, he was hot. And they, um, they just they ended the season on kind of a down note, you know, going 12 and 11 to really end the season. But really looking at it as a whole, it was surprising to me because I didn't expect this to work so well simply because I thought a lot more guys would be taking more time off. I I agree with that. I I thought that there were moments this season, to your point, that maybe guys were going to, you know, maybe extend some rest uh, at, at different points throughout the season. What I found most interesting about this season, the Denver Nuggets really excelled beyond expectations when you have two players like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back from injury you really don't know what you're going to get you're always hoping for the best but honestly you don't know what you're going to get and there's nothing wrong with that and sometimes what you come to find out is there's going to be one player who's more comfortable than the other Jamal Murray came out of the gates relatively hot maybe not his first couple of weeks but to Collins point he was there coming around the curve a lot sooner than I think a lot of us anticipated now I think he heard all of the chatter from last year about why he didn't return in the playoffs and I'd be very surprised if that wasn't the number one motivation heading into the offseason as to why exactly he came back and felt like he had to play at such a high level coming out of the gates now when it comes to Michael Porter Jr. Outside of different stretches throughout the season where he competed defensively, there was nothing new that I saw from Michael Porter Jr. that I didn't already see. I didn't see Michael Porter Jr. bring the ball up the court often. I didn't see Michael Porter Jr. run a lot of pick and rolls. I didn't see him in the actual pick and pop actions a lot. A lot of his stuff was off of back screens or guys just forgetting about him in the corner or him just posting up and just fading away with the Michael Porter jump shot. And all of those things I already saw before and all of those things I already knew about him. So what exactly did he do to elevate his game? He got more consistent. We'll take it. I won't argue it, but I, I got, think, I got an answer for well, you. Talk so to I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off there, but I'll tell you what he did is he stayed healthy. <laughs> like we saw, I mean, we saw him basically, there was one small stretch where he was out really this season, but, the Nuggets could re- really rely on him to play right. most of the games, um, you know, besides a family matter that happened. But he's, his health was much better throughout the season. It wasn't – it didn't seem like he was playing as injured or trying to play through an injury as much. When he was playing, he was healthy, and that was most of the time. So that that's what's different about what we saw from Mike Porter Jr. this year is we got to see more of it. 
No, I agree. I think you're you're right. His number one kryptonite coming into the season was health. And I think he definitely did a way better job this season, not just taking care of himself, but just ultimately kind of stepping into the role without feeling the pressure of having to do too much. But I also thought that there was room for him to do more, if that makes Mm. sense. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I am in the minority on that, but that's more than okay. I think ultimately between Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., they did enough as the big three to allow guys like Aaron Gordon and Kentavious Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and formerly of the Nuggets Bones Highland uh, and you know multiple other guys who came off the bench this season to kind of be able to step into their roles uh, as starters and bench players without feeling the initial pressure of saying, if I don't do this, then this team will fall. Like, like if I don't do my part, then that means that this team will absolutely crumble. That's the beauty of having three great players and one all-time great player. Uh, well, uh, let me rephrase that. Two great players and one all-time great player. So, in the totality of things, I think the season went great. But... There were moments this year where I think the Denver Nuggets took the fact that they exceeded expectations and manipulated it. Mm. I'm not worried about the resting. I'm not worried about the low bandaging. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. What happens when you turn it on the autopilot and you can't get it out of autopilot? What happens then? What happens when you are trying to convince yourself that you can flip the switch on but you can't. What happens when you are trying to tell yourself that this team is actually better than they're showing on paper, but they're not? Well, 12 and 11 happens. Exactly. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, between the month of March and April combined, they went 9 and 10. Mm. So we're talking about a team that does not have that ability. And I think the the combination of injuries – and complacency slash effort. It put the Denver Nuggets in a weird position. They had to ask themselves, how much do we want this? And instead of asking that in the middle of the season or at the beginning of the season, they had to ask themselves at the end of the season when you've locked up the number one seat and you're heading into the playoffs and you're still asking yourself the question, how much do we want this? Well, since you since you say that, and we're looking at the past, look at what this team has done in the past. Coming down from the deficits in the playoff series, they've always seemed to be the best when their backs up are, uh, are up against the wall. Yet when they won that final game against Memphis, and they had, what was that, seven-game lead at that point mm-hmm. uh, for number one, it was cruise control from there on out. So, yeah, the Nuggets, they lost a bit of that. But I believe that at the end of the season, they started to realize that they were blowing it in a way, especially um, two games ago when the starters did play. They they realized that we have got to just play. We have to play. We can't take a nap. We can't just let the backups do this. The, you know, the Houston game is a prime example. Like, prime <laughs> example. How do you just give up on that game? It's like any other sport. These are all professional athletes. And when you take something for granted or you 
don't respect your opponent, they will come out and punch you in the mouth. And that's what happened even to the Nuggets in the middle of the season, that loss against the Bulls where they got bullied in the paint. Right. They they need a few wake-up calls because things were going so well. Sometimes you don't realize how well things are going until something bad happens. And that happened mm-hmm. a few times to the Nuggets, and they needed a few wake-ups. So hopefully that gave them that wake-up heading into the end of the season because as we go towards the postseason, they need to have that same intensity and see if there is a Bubble Murray in there still somewhere. I like that. Heading into the 2023 season, I wonder what will be the wake-up call for the Denver Broncos. That's for another podcast. <laughs> um, when we look at the Nuggets, to your point, I don't want this team to be experiencing this mindset, this lifestyle of we have to capture lightning in a bottle. That's not a long-term successful plan. That gets people fired, all right? That gets that gets teams destroyed because you are trying to do something that is not a long-term plan. If you're the Denver Nuggets, the number one thing that you should have done this season that you didn't do was that you should have put yourself in a position to where there you were so dominant there was no question from anyone that you were coming out of the West. It doesn't I, – I know, I know, I know, I know. It shouldn't matter what people think outside of this locker room. It shouldn't matter what people think outside of this town. As long as we believe, that's all that matters. But it's not always black and white. Sometimes in life you've got to look at the bigger picture and say, we've got a chance to do something that's beyond – what we could have ever imagined. We're talking about this Denver Nuggets team as one of the best, if not the best Denver Nuggets team in Nuggets history. And this team has been around for close to 60 years. All right? So these are the things that we're trying to figure out about this team. Where is your mentality? Who are you? What do you want to be? Because if you don't know that heading into the playoffs, you're going to find yourself in a predicament where someone's going to lose. And I'm not just talking about on the court. Well, and you talked about that mentality. That is something that the Nuggets had a chance to establish, but they didn't. You're right. They did not step on the court and really strike fear to end the season in any team that they faced. There are ways. When you sat down in, you know, the 90s, 2000s, you know, and Michael Jordan, the Bulls came. You were. Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, let's just chalk this out. You know, take that L on the way out. Right. The Nuggets had an opportunity to not be as great as those Bulls teams were in the 90s, but to have some sort of that dominance where literally they won the game before they stepped on the court. You go there and you see a Nuggets team show up. The other team just knows that they're outclassed. Right. And that's part of the whole Nuggets thing that I've grabbed on and talked about for years is they always seem to take a quarter off. And this has happened throughout the season. They've they've sort of fixed it in these last few wins, it feels like. They've, they've sort of. But every time I think they're fixing it, they go back and blow another you know 20-point lead in a quarter. Right. So I don't want to go as far as to say that they have fixed it because it hasn't become consistent. But that's one of those things where if you're a team that's that dominant, where you step in and have you know, 15, 20-point lead at any point in the game, if you're dominant, the other team gives up. 
Mm. Not not that they stop playing, but they give up because they know that there's no way that they can end up winning that game. Perfect when you example, that the Milwaukee Bucks game. Mm. When they played yeah. Milwaukee, they came out in the third quarter and hit them with a 39-16 third quarter. And then they continued to pounce on them in the fourth, and they had to concede. Yeah, Like, Milwaukee just had to concede. And they were like, man, we've given all we can give in this game. And uh, Budenholzer, Coach Budenholzer, took his, players, took his starters out with six minutes left in the fourth. But then you have that after a Philadelphia game. Mm. <laughs> where you where you blow the 18-point the lead that they had in that one. Right, and one by three. Yeah, one by three at the end. And that they, they I don't even want to say they won. They hung on. <laughs> they hung on to that game right. by three. So all of a sudden, it's like, what is going on here in the fourth quarter? They had, it was insurmountable. But that's what I'm talking about. The dominance that you mentioned. These other teams... They don't see that and say, we we can't come back. They're like, okay, well, whatever. You know, we'll make it up. We're still in this game. There's the dominance that some teams have that the Nuggets just don't seem to carry with them yet. I think that w- winning and going further in the playoffs will do some of that because it will just get that drive to know what it's like to really just have an opponent to finish off an opponent they've hung in there they've hung in there year after year it's been hanging in coming back from three one deficits in series they just hang in there right and i think they know what it's like to hang in they don't know what it's like to dominate Mm. that's 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 interesting and i think the difference between hanging in there and being able to dominate is a killer instinct Mm -hmm. i think the one constant that has plagued the Nuggets for years and years and years, and we thought it was fixed this year, but it was not, is the bench. Yes. And that segues me right into playoff talk as we are getting ready to kind of further discuss where the Nuggets are going because the road to getting there, as you guys have heard the last 15 minutes, hasn't been as pretty as they ultimately thought it would be. And when you look at this bench, towards the end of the season, they really begin to find their mojo. I think there's something there between Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Jeff Green. There's a little something there, man. And I I, I know Coach Malone at the end of the season is talking about, well, you know, we'll play him when necessary in regards to Peyton Watson. He's a rookie. I get it. He, Malone's trying to be careful not to lean on rookies because, you know, when the lights get bright, you want to make sure you have the right guys in there. I get it. I know. But you can't close your eyes to what you're seeing. Defensively, this guy is an absolute stalwart. I'm talking about is going absolutely bananas. Uh, just blocking shots that some other players on this team, they can't block. Athletically, is gone. And Peyton Watson, he's got it. His timing is impeccable defensively. He is able to read passing lanes. He's able to really kind of, you know, weave his way to the basket in ways that other guys can't. He just has a skill set right now that I think when we talk about energy and we're talking about pacing, uh, I think he plays a huge part into that because he doesn't give up much defensively ever. And offensively, yes, he's still growing, but so is Christian Brown. And both guys have shown themselves to be fairly consistent this season. 
So I think when we talk about how far can the Nuggets go, it's really going to come down to what is their bench unit and how consistent can their bench be, even though the starters will be playing more than likely nothing less than 39 or 40 minutes a game. Well, and you, you mentioned that just – or what you started with, excuse me. You started with saying they finally started to get it going at the end. And what happened for those guys at the end of the season? They started to play more as these guys were resting. And we talked about this starting the show. You start to do something consistently. You're playing more. I'm doing more shows. You get in a flow. You get used to how things are going. When you know you're not going to play any minutes, that's when – I don't want to say that these guys don't know they're going to play minutes in a game, but sometimes it's a luck of the draw. It feels like who's playing in what games, you know, because it'd be Christian Braun playing two, three nights straight and then or Brown playing two, three nights straight. And then a week and a half off and everyone's asking Malone, where's, where's Christian at? What's happening? You know, it's Uncle Jeff playing and then he's not. They don't know. But when the playoffs come, these guys know that Malone's rotation is going to be small. It's going to be tight. And there's not going to be a lot of extra minutes out there. So they'll be ready to play at those moments. And I think that's the one transition that I hope these guys can make. You know, a guy like Christian, he played at Kansas. He was just in a national championship game. He's been in bright lights. I know it's brighter. It's a bigger stage in the NBA, but it's still a pretty dang big stage. So the transition I'm not as worried about. But these guys, knowing that they're the sixth, seventh, eighth guy off the bench in these games, I think will play an even more important role. And that's what they played themselves into is getting those minutes in the playoffs in these last few games. And once they know that they'll be more comfortable coming in. Right. Well, I think to that point, they will be comfortable coming in and being able to know and feel and understand ultimately what needs to be done. The bench builds off of what the starters have done, good or bad. And the starters, in this particular case, they're the foundation. Yeah. And when we look at the starters, Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. Man, all those guys are on one team. Man, I mean, one <laughs> of the best starting fives in the NBA the only one that I would realistically probably say is better than that starting five is in the West is probably Phoenix. Now with KD. Um, yeah, with yeah. KD now. And I think probably out East, Milwaukee went fully healthy. And maybe you can put Boston up there. I was going to say Boston. Um, but I would say starting lineup-wise, Boston and Denver's probably yeah. even. So Agreed. with that being said, there aren't a, be- a-, a-, a whole lot of starting lineups better than what the Denver Nuggets have at the moment. And I think the starters have to understand that this entire season, probably outside of like the last month and some change, they were the driving force to the greatness of this team. And KCP kind of finding his rhythm again. My hope is that Aaron Gordon can one day be comfortable in his three-point shot again because – that's where I think things gets inter- get interesting for him. He can drive to the basket. That's not an issue. That's never been an issue. But can he comfortably get to a place where he knows without the shadow of a doubt, if I have to make this three, like Nikola Jokic, when I close my eyes, I can see the play. Nikola Jokic. He's literally closing he gets, his eyes right now. Uh, he, he, <laughs> he, he, he gets the ball out of the timeout. 
Nikola Jokic. He pulses up. He throws the ball across the court in the corner to Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon for three. It's good. One, two, three. (laughs) We've heard that call before, but when it's crunch time, can Aaron Gordon do it again? We know he can cut back door. We know he can get all of the lobs. We get that. But can he make the play that separates the Denver Nuggets from the typical good teams who had enough pieces to do enough, but they couldn't get over the hump? As of right now, the trajectory, we're not talking about the style. We're talking purely about the trajectory. This team is on the same trajectory as the Lob City L.A. Clippers. Mm. And that's not the worst place to be, but when history looks back on this team, that's not a good place to be. No. Because the Clippers will always be, in my eyes, a top 10 team that underachieved all time. Not just in this era, I'm talking all time. We t- we're talking all the way back to the ABA days, 1930s, 1940s, all right? I'm talking all time. And I don't want that for this Denver Nuggets team. So I think the starters have to understand that there's a sense of urgency that every game you may not do you may not come out swinging but you have to understand that the momentum that you provide is going to be super important it doesn't mean that you have to have give the bench a 20 point lead every time they come in but they have to at least be riding into something instead of just inconsistent inefficient shooting the utah jazz game was one of the few games this in the regular season where the Denver Nuggets for sure knew that their bench could get it done with all those fails because when the bench came in after the starters absolutely skunked in the first quarter, the starters were able to ride the bench bench's momentum. And I think more times than not in the playoffs, I would probably almost say it needs to be 80-20 at the bare minimum where the bench needs to be riding your momentum, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, and and I think about it, and you mentioned Lob City. One thing that this team is just, it's such a collection. And you think about, you know, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, uh, DeAndre Jordan was there. I mean, they were dynamic, and the Nuggets are dynamic. And it's not as much of the highlight dunks, although there are those. Yeah. But you have the passes from Jokic. I wish this Nuggets team sometimes, you know, they're going to have a seven seven days off. I want them to prepare like they are already playing in the NBA championship. Like this, this first series is the NBA championship. I wish they could have blinders on so they don't even know who they're playing. They have to be ready to play anybody just like they're playing in an NBA championship. They have mm. to be ready for any opponent this first round because – with these seven days, it can really be a make or break because in all actuality, they've had a little bit more than a week off by the time they end up playing. Will they rest on what they did in the regular season? Or will they drive? You know, will that drive, will that killer mentality be there to just win? Sometimes knowing your opponent, the Nuggets have that history too of playing down to their opponents. And I think that's part of why in the past it's also been they get down in series because mm. they don't come ready to play right away. Right. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think to your point, they always find themselves in tricky situations where 
you don't come with the efficiency that you need. You, you, you don't come with the intensity. That's the word, not efficiency, intensity that you need every game and in every moment. And I think that frustrates Nuggets Nation because when you don't know what you're going to – imagine walking into a relationship where you didn't know what you were going to get every day. Every day it was kind of like, you know, you reach your hand into a bag, you close your eyes, and you pull out something. And today you pull out that – Today, your relationship or your significant other is going to be angry, all right? And then the next day you pull out, they're going to be tired. And then the next day you pull out that they're going to be, you know, empathetic. Maybe they care today. And then the next day they're like lackadaisical. You can't deal with that every day. Like that would drive you absolute crazy and that's exactly what the Denver Nuggets do, do to Nuggets Nation day in and day out because you don't know what you're going to get and I think if they were to show a little bit more consistency combined with intensity all the time like there's there's you know without the shadow of a doubt that if the Nuggets gave effort all the time that they will find themselves in better positions game in and game out than they would if they pick and choose like they currently do. And yeah. I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. The picking and choosing, I mean, there's no picking and choosing anymore. They have to go out there and win these series. And that's why I said, I wish they just had the blinders on. This is the championship game. You got to win. You got to win four of your, you got to win four games straight <laughs> type of mentality going in. You got to win four and not just, okay, well we have seven games to win this series. No, we let's win the first four. Let's sweep our way. That mentality is something that I believe the Nuggets started to have in the bubble, yeah. and then it got lost without having Murray, you know, there, and then MPJ getting hurt. If they can flip that switch and be back to that, you know, honestly, that can transform not only this year's playoffs but the whole trajectory of the team in future years. Because, like you said, you don't want them to be Lob City. Neither do I. No. As fun as it was to watch in the regular season, they didn't do anything. You know, another team that made the playoffs this year, the Sacramento Kings, they had a lot of fun with uh, Jason Williams and White Chocolate there. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't win much. Right. They were they were good, but they never won anything. So championships, parades, those are a lot more fun than those other wins. I definitely agree. As we're getting ready to put a bow on this episode, I do want to ask you what should be – these are two separate questions. What should be the Nuggets' outcome this playoff, uh, this this upcoming playoff run, and what will be their ultimate fate? What should be should be is the uh, NBA championships, and that should go. Uh, you know, if it goes six games, I believe they win it because I would be back at home. Right, or NBA? Does NBA go two three two? Uh, it is no, no, not anymore. No, it's, no, uh, it's it's two two, two, two one one one. one. Yeah. Um, six games, and then they would win it back home because it would be uh, Philly or Milwaukee uh, that they that they would face in the championship game. So that's what it should be. If it ends up going seven, I have a tough time believing that a Milwaukee who's been there and won it last year would lose that game at home. And I am. Fearful that it's a Western Conference Finals, 
that the there is that this is good enough attitude so that they get there and lose in the Western Conference Finals, especially in a game six on the road. Uh, if they lose in a game seven at home, that's just – I mean, that's unthinkable, and it, it really is – it's time to look yourself in the mirror and what this team is doing and who else – or what else they need to do different because something has to change if that's the case. I think you bring up a fantastic point. The Denver Nuggets should be a NBA Finals representative for the Western Conference. You went 34 and 7 at home this season. 19 and 22 on the road. So, you have enough star power, not star power, energy combined with star power where on the road you can stay in games and at home you can outrun teams out of games and that alone should be a combination where no matter how tough times get you'll find yourself in better positions than not that's what should happen what will actually happen I think the whoever they face in the second round, whether it's between the Clippers or the Suns, I think they will take so much energy out of the Denver Nuggets that by the time they get to the Western Conference Finals, they're going to run out of gas. Yep. I, that's what I'm fearful of. Yep. Because this team, had they, they have not had to put this level of mental intensity into every game. Pretty much all season. They've had stretches where they've won a good chunk of games. They've had stretches where they just go with the flow. And I think there was not enough intentionality long enough this season to where when it comes to a true seven-game series where every possession matters, this is the first time where they've actually had to lock in like this. And I wonder will it come back to bite them in the butt and that's what I ultimately think will happen. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, it, it'll play out that way. I, I'm worried that they get over that hump of the second round and say, "Okay, we've made it." You haven't made it yet. You no. got to get to the finals, and that's that's where I hope the Nuggets are at the end of the day. I hope so. But I, it's hard for me to imagine this team not getting a little complacent after finally getting out of the second round. Right. You know, I, I know they played the Lakers a few years ago, but this team is much different than it was mm-hmm. then. So that is my biggest fear. And prove me wrong. Please, please prove me wrong. I am begging you. As a matter of fact, I'm saying all of this on this podcast, so you can prove me wrong. I want to prove me wrong. I want to go back and pull audio from this podcast and say, look at me sounding stupid. I know. How dumb was I that day? Gosh, man, what was I drinking? Uh, I must have taken the wrong step somewhere. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Falling on my head one too many times. Right. Man, but we we hope that the Nuggets ultimately mm-hmm. do get to the NBA Finals, but we understand that there's a reality piece here, and we didn't talk about the majority of this podcast being, can the Nuggets find that consistency? Did they peak too soon? Did they find themselves in a position where they can't flip on the switch? We didn't spend the podcast talking about that for no reason because that was, that, that was their truth this season. That was their truth. We can't run from it. We can't close our eyes to it. It's their truth. And I think 
the quicker we can accept it, the better off we'll be. And from that place, I'll tell everyone, believe in the Nuggets. This is my high basketball, baby. Yeah. Believe in your Nuggets going into the playoffs. But continue to have some realness in your heart, too. That will soften the blow if they lose prematurely. We're not hoping for that. We're not wishing for it. But we also understand that that is a real possibility. But until then, we're going to believe that the Denver Nuggets will get to the mountaintop because we know how hard they work to be the number one seed, and we believe that they have what it takes, but it's up to them to capitalize on it. Go get it. Let's do it. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Producers Podcast. This has been your official Denver Nuggets 2022-2023 podcast outlook. And the producers, on behalf of all of us, we want to say thank you so much for an amazing regular season mm-hmm. between all of the topics we've talked about. But we're getting in playoff time with the Nuggets and with the Avalanche. And so all I can say is here we go. Let's 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 get on board and let's hope and pray for a long playoff run for both teams. Yeah. Turn up the heat, Nuggets. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. <laughs> all right, we'll catch you guys on another episode of the Producers Podcast.